Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. What's up, friends? I'm Julie Bender. How's your day, Julie? So good. <laughs> so oh, good i wish sun is I shining wish. i don't actually know because the windows are closed it's but true. i it's florida it's probably sunshiny and it is hot shiny. it is it's a hot. great day though yeah it is hot but it is a great day you know uh, there's a lot in life that we have encountered recently or forever that sometimes causes a little bit of anxiety and even fear fear yeah yeah and both yeah and or always some combination some level yep so this episode we're going to kind of tackle that fear thing uh, if we can, and hopefully at the end of it, we'll go, we don't need to be as afraid as we thought we did. I would love if at the end of the episode, I felt that way. That's your task, Dar. Okay. okay let's first start with the internet. What does the internet say about fear? All well, right. Tina Fey in her book, Bossy Pants, have you read it? I haven't. Have you? No, but I might. I love I, the title, actually. I know. I'm like, oh, I should probably listen to that. She said, my ability to turn good news into anxiety is rivaled only by my ability to turn anxiety into chin acne. Relatable. <laughs> it is true. It is so true. All right. This comes from personal experience on my part. You have not experienced true fear until the smoke detector malfunctions in the middle of the night true that happened to me recently and I was like what do I do where do we go do I really wake all the children up and get out of the house and Donnie was like no and I'm like well that feels wrong <laughs> yeah this happened in the mountain house before they had a fire truck not very far away oh, and it was 2 a.m and I'm the thing is blaring and I'm pushing every button in the world because I'm there by myself getting ready to get on a plane the next morning at 7 a.m oh. so it was entertaining, terrifying, terrifying, entertaining, and then all I did was get mad at the whole thing. Yep, totally. All right, then there are a few fears that have actually been named that you may not have known existed. I did not know any of these. I would be shocked if our listeners did. All right, phobia. That is the fear of relatives. <gasps> Oh my gosh, that makes sense that that would totally be a thing. But wow, I mean, putting a label on that one. And sub-relatives are a little bit frightening. So there's sure. va validity in that. This one is very interesting. This is globophobia is the fear of balloons. I mean, I do yell when they're popped. Well, <laughs> I have globophobia. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, I mean, they could be like make really screechy sounds when you're blowing them up. Maybe that's just really hard for some people. Could be. I don't know. Or maybe they just don't want to blow it up, so they say, I'm afraid of balloons. <laughs> don't put me to that task. Okay. Antidephobia is the fear of being watched by a duck. <laughs> You're kidding. <laughs> I'm not. I actually researched these and went, somebody made this up. Surely they did. But no, this is like yeah, a so... diagnosis. Well, I mean, okay. I mean, chased by a duck, maybe. Yes, chased. <laughs> I can, can we, wow. No, watched, watched. Wow, that's going to be the next reality show on like <laughs> discovery learning or whatever. Okay, metrophobia is the fear of poetry. 
I mean, bad poetry, yes. I would be terrified of that. But, but like, metrophobia should be fear of the metro. <laughs> Come on. That makes a lot oh, more sense. Fear of poetry, okay. All right. I think this one you might actually have, Julie. <laughs> Nomophobia. It is the fear of losing mobile phone service. I mean, I think this is a valid one because technically, when you're in a place that you don't get service... You're very far out and something could happen and nobody can help you. I think that's a valid fear. Yes, I am a nomophobic and I'm proud of it. I don't know. It's better than being afraid of ducks watching me. <laughs> no, I think it's valid. I totally agree with you. All right. The number one fear. Do you want to take that one, Julie? Yeah. I mean, let's bring it down base level. Most of us don't have the ones we've just talked about, but the number one fear in America is the fear of public speaking, which is glossophobia. It is. And it, that makes sense. I think most people do fear that. But I kind of think today, in today's world, most people fear speaking at all in some scenarios, mm. not Ooh, just valid. public. That, the last few years, that has begun to feel less safe to speak your mind on many different things. Well, and it all kind of began with, you know, the health scares from COVID we went to political, racial unrest, cultural polarization, natural disasters, and financial uncertainty. Shall we just pile it on anymore? I mean, that is all things to generally, to genuinely be fearful of. It's true. But I think the biggest fear that kind of covers all of these that we just mentioned is the fear of saying the wrong thing in the wrong setting with the wrong person. That's kind of overtaken all of the subjects. Yeah. Saying or being viewed as saying the wrong thing, because I think there's at times there's a difference between the two. Yeah. You know, you might really say what needs to be said, but it is taken the wrong way or viewed as the wrong thing. And you genuinely don't believe that it's wrong, but now you're dealing with the backlash and that is a valid fear. Don't hear us saying that, you know, these fears, any of them, except maybe being afraid of being watched by a duck are valid <laughs> fears. Um, so how can we realistically battle this monster of fear that seems to be raging in every corner of our lives. Well, and I think we just kind of need to go all the way back to where I think most of it started with COVID, that we became legitimately afraid because we didn't know what it meant. We had never experienced this, this illness, this virus, and we didn't know the complications of it. So, you know, when we were cloistered down and all sent home, there was good reason because we were trying to protect ourselves. Yeah. And, and the natural reaction in a scenario like that. So hear us, the natural reaction is to be fearful when challenging or unknown things are happening. And I, I look, I think back to COVID and I wasn't scared of the virus, but I was scared of the way it was affecting, you know, culture and society. And there are some people who had the actual fear of the virus and then also, you know, the, the ramifications of how it was being handled or how it had to be handled. And so, you know, it's normal and natural that fear came up in a time like that. We all experience that on some level. It's not wrong. Um, you know, fear can have some important values. Yeah. But not when it's here to stay. Yeah. And that's kind of where we've gotten is it seems like there is this underlying fear that we live in every single day. 
Yeah. Yeah. So the value of fear is that it can guard us against hurt or harm. You know, it's a warning bell. It's a signal to pay attention, protect yourself, you know, look for safety. But like you said, when it, when it's an underlying feeling of constant anxiety or fear, that's when we really have to take some, some proactive steps to address that crippling fear and anxiety that we're experiencing. I think to start, we need to recognize kind of where the, everything is. And the first thing is that hurt and challenges are here to stay. Now, I don't want that to be a negative, although it sounds absolutely horrible, <laughs> because hurt and challenges always have been here. Yeah, They just seem as if they're amplified. Mm-hmm. So if we kind of accept the fact, then we don't need to fear them all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely divergent attitudes toward the world that we're living in, you know, and that seems to be one of the bigger kind of issues of the day is that as a result of COVID and the surrounding other issues that kind of all happen like a perfect storm, there's so much division and the division itself has created uh, a f- an additional fear of the chaos that we're experiencing. So you're not alone in experiencing that, but those voices you know, they, they should not be the, the, the source of our fear. We need to still be able to hear ourselves and, and be centered in ourselves and not get so caught up in what everyone else is saying or thinking or trying to tell us to do. And that's where the challenge really comes in. Well, and especially as the faith family, you know, what should we fear? Should we fear health? Should we fear the political climate, the racial climate, finances, culture? Mm -hmm. Are we afraid of these things? We really shouldn't be, but we find ourselves a little bit paralyzed in the midst of them. For sure. I mean, I hear that. I know I shouldn't be, but oftentimes at least one of those is creating some sort of fear in me. and, and, And I hear as a woman of faith, I shouldn't struggle with that. So how, tell me how, (laughs) help me if I'm willing to go first and say, I am still struggling with fear in some of those areas or all of those areas at times. Well, I think one misnomer is that we thought something would be easy. This Mm -hmm. life would be easy. And we were not promised that we were not promised that as Christians, actually as Christians, it was the contrary. Everybody wasn't going to like us or agree with us, or sometimes there would be people that would want to uh, not just challenge us, but stop us Mm. at what we believe, in what we believe, and in where we stand. That's true. I mean, if we take it all the way back, Jesus literally said, you're going to have trials in this world, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I am with you until the end of the age. So he's actually told us, it's not going to be easy. You're not going to be liked. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder as the day, meaning when he comes back again, as the day approaches, it's just going to keep getting worse. Uh, thank you. But again, he said, <laughs> but take heart, I will be with you and I'm coming again. And so I found myself this morning as I was kind of inventorying through some of the things that I'm currently struggling or, you know, being fearful of. And I, I did this. I kind of said, okay, but I have to remember that God says I'm not supposed to be fearful. I'm supposed to trust that he is in control of all things and he is still good and working a plan even though it feels like a struggle. And I felt like my non-faith side of my brain wanted to be like, well, that feels like a cop-out or that feels like not helpful. Like that feels like you're tapping out or being lazy. But my spirit side says, no, that's where you find your rest 
in a, in a hard moment, in a hard season. That's where you find your hope and your peace, even while the thing or things are still swirling. That's actually the gift that God has given us to say, nope, find your hope in me, not in the things or the circumstances. And I think that's something that we need to realize we're not the only people who need that. Uh, everyone walking on two legs needs that hope. And, you know, like you said, it, it's not just a simple, let's do a catchphrase. I've always envisioned in my hardest times or my angry times or my hurt times, I've envisioned my God wrapping his arms around me while I am pounding on his chest, yelling at the top of my lungs, and he still holds me. And I think that's what we want to offer to ourselves, to our faith family, and to others that God not only loves us through all of it, but he will comfort us and hold us and give us every ounce of hope that's available. Okay, so if we can agree that this is where our hope is supposed to come from, how do we, like practically speaking, how do we have the courage to stand up and proclaim what we believe is true against a world of voices that doesn't believe it or in a culture where, you know, belief in God is becoming less and less popular and really even respected? How, how do we walk that line? Mm. Knowing the Savior that we have, we have to first recognize everything he told us is for our good. Every structure he created is the healthy one. Every institution that he established is the one that makes us the best that we can possibly be. So if we believe that, why would we not say this is the way things should be because God made it that way, not because he despises us and wants to corner us, but quite the contrary, because he loves us. With everything he is, he died for us, which means his love surpasses anything that we would offer to one another. So what he's telling us must have validity for our well-being. Well, and I think at the end of the day, we know what he's told us from the Bible. So we have to get really well acquainted with the Bible and comfortable with what it says, sometimes not being popular or not being able to, um, in our human minds, logically explain it to every person who doesn't believe it to be true. But we have to be willing to know it and to stand on it and by it and with it, regardless of how that's perceived by anyone in opposition. And that's hard, Julie. Very very hard. I mean, I, I've walked with the Lord a very long time, and it's still hard for me yeah. because I could look at the circumstances that are thrust our way and say, but are you a compassionate person? Are you a loving person? Are you a kind person? If you are, then it's culturally defined this way, Yeah, that you will say these things, that you will act this way, that you will agree with these principles. And I go, yeah, but... Mm-hmm. That's not what God's word says. And if I believe he is the most kind and compassionate individual, then I've got to apply what he says. Well, that's terrifying because instantly you can be judged as the one who is not compassionate when it's the opposite. 
that your goal is to offer the most effective hope that this world can find. And, and maybe it's helpful to remember that God's word has always been considered controversial. It's not just in today's day. So I do think there's a there's some hope, there's some peace, and um, like a sense of I don't know, like camaraderie with like all of the saints of history. It's not just those of us living in, you know, North America in the 21st century feel like we're looked at as crazy or, you know, um, unkind or bigoted, whatever, for believing what the Bible says. When we look back in the whole expanse of time, the entire time the Bible's been around, Christians have been feeling this way. And, and we can kind of almost in solidarity remember that, God has proven himself over and over and over and over again in the pages of the Bible and then in our own personal lives and in history that's been recorded since then, you know, of other believers. And we can take confidence in that and, and continue to walk boldly because of it continuing to remain true year after year, decade after decade, century after century. I think the problem with us as American Christians, we're not used to it. Yeah. You know, there's a church virtually on every corner in every community in this country. Um, not that there a lot of them are even open anymore. Mm -hmm. A lot of doors have been closed. A lot of the culture has shifted away from that. And we're not used to being the people who aren't liked because of what we believe. Because that wasn't this country. Yeah. It was God, America, mm -hmm. flag cross, all of it together, it was all okay. Everybody was okay with it. And that's changing. And we need to recognize it's changing and basically be okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's like some who would say, well, we should, we should really fight to preserve that. And that may be true, but maybe we just need to fight to preserve that in our own homes and in our own families and continue to raise up a generation of people who believe that and live that way without having to necessarily fight it in a way that is not perceived by those we're ultimately, hopefully, trying to represent God to and love. And again, that's hard. It's terribly hard. And it's, you know, I don't think it's ever been about building the church organization it's always been about building the church, which is comprised of the individuals who are followers of Christ. So our investment is not in a building or a group of people. It's really in one person yeah. at a time. There's one thing that I actually wrote down because I read it from somewhere else and I don't remember where, but I thought it was really important because to overcome fear and everything we're talking about, Julie, we do need to be courageous. Mm. But I thought this was an important point. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Entirely true. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. Yeah, I saw that. You put that on here and I was like, wow, that's actually really profound. And I need to take some time to think that through. Um, I think we should make sure Tess puts that actually in the show notes for us to really ponder even after this episode is over. Sometimes it looks like speaking. Sometimes it looks like listening. And we do need to listen. But what we need to recognize is we need to fight that fear. And 
Fear is actually can be broken down into an acronym. And Julie, you love acronyms, don't I you? Do. I do. I am a really big fan of acronyms. So thank you for including this here. I've probably heard it before, but it was refreshing to be reminded of it. Fear can stand for F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. I feel like we live there right now mm. in this culture that we see things that are presented as real and like, you know, that emperor ain't got no clothes. That's mm. not right. It <laughs> appears real. Mm. And so if we're fearful, we accept that it is. What do we do about it? Tell me. <laughs> um, well, you wrote this out, and I think that you've highlighted some really important steps for us to take. And sometimes it can feel impossible. And I think we've said that a couple times. But to really train our minds and our heart rates <laughs> at times to remember that all things in this life truly are temporary. Well, it, but it is very true because we think we're in the middle of something that is impossible, but it doesn't last forever. It's a season, it's a moment, it's a day, it's a week, it's a month, but it is absolutely temporary. It does end. For sure. I This is a really, really bad example, but this is just a season of my life. I literally woke up yesterday already thinking about whether or not Rev was going to get enough daytime sleep to allow for the nighttime activities that were scheduled for the day. And she was going to be a hot mess and she's been a hot mess and she's been sick. And so she doesn't get enough sleep. I literally woke up thinking all of this and I was like, wow, <laughs> like that was my very, like, like as I sat up, all of those thoughts were racing and I'm like, I am already letting this whole day be driven by a fear. And I haven't even stepped outside of my bedroom yet. And I was like, I just got to like, She's 15 months. She's not going to be like this forever. It's not going to be that emphatic forever that I run my entire life around her sleeping schedule. And it's what a if, season. Yeah. And what if she is a hot mess? Well, that's stressful, Dar. <laughs> yeah, but it is. Just hand her to somebody else and walk away for like 10 minutes. <laughs> here, here, take this child, please. I know you're a stranger. I don't know you. Don't don't abduct her, please. Oh, but... geez. Then I, then I can be fearful of somebody taking it. Awesome. <laughs> well, that's good. Got my mind off of being afraid she won't get enough sleep. And again, I recognize that that is a very small example and even some of the other things we've talked about in this episode alone. But it's a picture of how quickly it can spiral. It does. And how much we have to just literally stop the thought and remember what's true uh -huh. that everything's temporary seasons do change problems do have solutions or at least ending times and sometimes that's just all the reminding we need all right this one is entirely true courage which is what we try to drum up when we're facing fear is resistance to fear mastery of fear not the absence of it well, and I think that right there in itself, remembering that one of the best ways to live with fear is to remember that we're going to have it on some level throughout our life, always. It's not ever going to all the way go away. Um, and so if that's what we're seeking, we're, of course, going to just continue to be disappointed and overwhelmed. But learning to have courage in the midst of fear is ultimately what we're looking for. We say all of that to say we have responsibility amidst this culture, even as we are fearful. And I think our first responsibility is to protect our children. Mm. They are being raised with very, very, very mixed information and honestly, downright lies. Mm. Things that have never been true in history 
and are not true today, and they're being told and given it as if it is truth in a time where they're just developing who they are and who they want to be, and we need to protect them. Well, and that's where it's so important that we have our, I want to say our minds right, but that's, I don't know if that's the right attitude there, have our minds right, have our beliefs strong and, um, you know, founded in the right place and then lead with confidence first and foremost in our homes to give our kids that ability to trust that even if I don't hear what I've been taught from my parents and from the Bible, is true. I can still boldly hold on to those things when I'm faced with the potential of being taught an opposite. That's why it is so important that we, we as mom, as women, you know, we, we hold fast and true to what we really believe and have, you know, in our heart of hearts, a steadfastness there, and then be able to confidently in a way that we have incredible influence over our children, right? They believe what we say, rightly so, um, and sometimes dangerously so. <laughs> but we have that opportunity to speak that that hope and then confidence and truth to them. And we have really an incredible responsibility as well. And I think taking that a step further, the, the things we know are true relate to gender. There are men, there are women. Those are the genders. That's it? That's it. Those are the genders. There's confusion in many minds and hearts, but the reality is there are only two. Marriage is ordained by God between a man and a woman. You look at other cultural issues like education, what they're putting in your children's mind. um, You want to protect from. Mm -hmm. But I also have to throw this in. You do everything you can to teach your children what you know is true, what you believe with all your heart that God instituted and how he created us to be. But don't be surprised if they come home one day and go, that's not right. Mm -hmm. Don't be surprised if they come home one day and say, if you really loved people the way that you say you do, you wouldn't have that stand. And when they do that, and it, it will happen in many children, when they do that, just say, I understand how you feel, and I understand why you would. But I want you to know it's a truth I feel deeply in my heart and pray that you find your way to do so as well. But I love you with all my heart, with everything I am, no matter what you think, I love you. Yeah. And and that challenging day is going to come for all of us. And I guess we're here to say, don't, don't fear that that day is coming instead, protect yourself and prepare yourself now and lay the foundation. And then, and then if, and when those conversations happen, don't be given to fear in those moments. Part of what they'll need to see there is your reaction to be steadfast. And like you said, to lead with love and to not be wavering of, well, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm not right. Or maybe we need to look into this more, but to be able to show clearly a position of love, but also standing firm on, on what you've taught them. Yeah. And you don't need to break out all of the books and the research and the whatever that prove your point. Because that's going to do nothing but alienate. What you need to do is 
just accept the fact that they're working through what they need to work through mm -hmm. to get to where they need to be. Yeah, basically what we need to do there is to move forward with their fear, with our fear, move forward and kind of show them the way in the midst of those difficult conversations. At the same time, you need to stand for what you know is true, even if you're in a room with everybody who doesn't believe as you believe. That's hard. That's yeah. terrifying. For sure. For sure. Well, someone who experienced this, Rosa Parks was quoted as saying, I have learned over the years that when one's mind is made up, this diminishes fear. Knowing what must be done does away with fear. I mean, she's a woman that did exactly that. For sure. In circumstances that were against her on every side. So, Rosa, thanks for the encouragement. I, I pray we all can be that way. Yeah. And I think ultimately where we want to land is the greatest truth is that Jesus, through his life and his death, he is the one that brings us hope, even in the midst of fear. If we really believe what we believe, then we can trust and walk in the truth that Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. He's the one who can change people's lives, enable them to live for him, to walk with him. Um, and if we believe that, then we have to be willing to speak that truth, even if it's going to alienate someone, even if they're not going to believe today, even maybe it's just today. I think some of us get fearful of, of, you know, alienating somebody even further by sharing the gospel, because what if they don't believe? Well, you don't know that they won't believe 10 days from now, mm -hmm. 10 months, 10 years from now, but you stand on the most important truth that has ever been given. And the thing that has changed your life the most, and you share it and you believe it and you walk in it and you tell others about it and you leave the results and the response up to God. I can't remember if it was Penn or Teller that said this. Yeah, one of the two. I can't one of the two. That. Yeah. Um, he's an atheist. And he made the statement one time that if Christians, if people who really believe what they say they believe, that there is one hope in Jesus for eternal salvation, for an eternity with God, and the alternative is an eternity without God, if they really, really believe that, why don't they tell him? If they really believe it, why don't they care enough to say it out loud? If they really believe it, why do they keep it to themselves? Because it is, according to them, the life-changing thing that will make your life and all of eternity entirely different. And he's right. Yeah, I think he even said, we've seen this video at, at church, our pastor has shown it to a couple times, and it, it is staggering to hear an atheist say, if you really believe this, and it's life or death, how much do you have to hate me to not tell me about it? And it's like, oh, he's right. He is right. How much do we have to, it feels harsh, hate somebody to not be willing to tell them the truth that we believe is the answer and the ultimate hope in this life, which is full of fear. Yeah. And the reality is we need to stand up against the cultural pushes that are happening today. But the most important thing to stand for is a relationship with Christ. That no matter what the confusion or the hurt or the hopelessness, and in today's world, there's more loneliness than there has been in mm. all of 
American history that I can tell. There have been research studies that say that loneliness is at its peak. Well, if we can answer that, we should. That's the one fear we should overcome. For sure. The, the hope that we have is the best and the only true lifeline in this world. And every single one of us need it. And there are people who have never heard about it. We will do our best to overcome our fears. Mm -hmm. And we hope that this will help you as well. So this Bible verse is in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Well, I hope that you have found some practical advice in this episode to help you with facing fear. I hope that you leave uh, feeling more confident and um, empowered. Sorry, Dar, I know that's your favorite word. <laughs> empowered to face your fear and also to stand up for the things that you know to be true and to be the best medicine against the fear that seems to be swirling all around us. I want to encourage you to check the show notes for more related resources and always be following along in all of our socials. We make sure to put those in the show notes as well. Thanks for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.